Welcome to episode 100 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Hey guys, did you catch that? 100 episodes. I know if you're just joining me, this might not seem like that big of a deal, but let me tell you from that very first day where I launched the very first episode, I don't think I would have guessed that I would have made it to 100. I knew I was going to do at least a year of this, uh, but I don't know if I truly believed that I would keep going. 100 seems kind of unbelievable, and yet I'm here. And you know what? If you're sitting here listening to this, feeling like you have a lot of weight to lose, I think the number of episodes is kind of equivalent to weight loss. If you think about it, I've done an episode every week. There's been some weeks where I've released more than one episode, but otherwise it's just been slow and steady. And at first it was like, I've got four episodes, I've got five episodes. That seems so small. And now when I scroll through my podcast on iTunes, and keep scrolling and look at all the different topics I've covered, I can't believe it's added up that quickly. And so I think if you're sitting here working on a weight loss goal, it's a really good thing to keep in mind is just continuing to show up consistently really does add up in the end, it gets you to where you want to be. So I now have 100 episodes. I'm super excited about that. I'm proud of myself for continuing to show up even during those busy weeks, even on the weeks where I wondered if I should still be doing this. Uh, And I'm really happy that this podcast continues to help those of you out there. I love hearing from you on how it's helping you. So send me those letters, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. They're really helpful. And if you have questions, send me questions in the emails. I appreciate it. And if you have a chance leave a uh, review on iTunes. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you find it helpful, leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to it so that other people are more likely to find it. I would really appreciate that. Now, today what I'm going to talk to you about is my best weight loss tips. So I've been sitting thinking about what should I do for my 100th episode? And I thought about going backwards through all my different episodes and pulling out audio clips from each episode. And I thought, you know what, I think what will be more beneficial for you as my listener is for you to for me to give you my best tips from the position I'm at now. Because I'm actually a very different person than when I started this process of doing this podcast of coaching so much over the last more than a year and a half. um, It's really, you know, changed me as a person and it's changed some of my approaches. And so I think if I give you my best tips now, they're a bit different than what I may have said back at the beginning of the podcast. I'm not saying don't listen to the rest of the podcast because I think there's very good information there. But I just thought maybe the best thing to do for this 100th episode is for me to sit down and say, what would I write to you? If I was to write you a letter about the best advice I could give you to lose weight and to reach all your goals, what would I put in that letter? And so that's what I've done today is I've written down my best tips for you. These are the tips that if my best friend were to ask me, how should they lose weight? These are the tips that I would use for her. Now, before we get going into the episode, I wanted to let you know that I have a whole brand new website. So everything on my website's been updated. It's been 
refreshed and changed. And I really encourage you to head over there, have a look and let me know what you think. Uh, what you'll see on the first page is you can get a copy of my powerful weight loss beliefs uh, just right there on the f- first page. Um, and I think this is something I'm really proud of. And I'll talk about that free download that you can get when I go through some of these tips, because I think it applies. And honestly, if you can believe anything you want. So if you truly understand that even in weight loss, you get to believe what you want, and you choose to just adopt some new beliefs, which will, some of it similar to what we're going to talk about today, if you just choose some new beliefs, you can completely 100% change your experience with weight loss, you can change what it feels like to reach your goals. You can change how it feels when things aren't necessarily going as quickly as you would want. What you believe matters. And that's why I created that free download because it matters more than any specific diet. What you you can follow a specific diet and if you don't have the right beliefs, you won't be able to stick to it. If you have the right beliefs, you can stick to any diet and be completely content on it. That's the difference between taking a belief-based approach versus just an action or diet plan based approach. So head over to the website, check out the new website, let me know what you think. If you are a physician struggling with stress eating, I can help you. I want you to know that and you can check out the work with me page over on my new website. And it gives you the two options of how you can get my help, either working with me privately, which is one on one coaching, or by coming into my group, which is called Stress Eating SOS. Now we just finished enrolling a new group with us, Stress Eating SOS. It won't reopen again until January of 2021. And so if you are interested in the group coaching option, uh, make sure you join the wait list. There'll be a link on my website or the webpage you could go to is weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. And you can click on the link there to join the waitlist. And then I'll let you know as soon as I have dates planned for the January group. Uh, Because it's going to come sooner than later, isn't it? (laughs) I feel like we're speeding through the year. We're already into October. I was actually going to just literally say we're almost at the end of September. And then I realized actually we're in October. (laughs) So the year is speeding by. All right. New website. Check it out subscribe and leave a review on this podcast if you're enjoying it. And if you resonate with what I'm talking to you about in these podcasts, and you find them super helpful, but you just need that extra layer of support, I absolutely can help you with that and check out the work with me page. All right, let's get to my letter. So what I did is I've written out my top 10 points that I would tell you as a friend who's working on their weight and working on stress eating. And that I wish I'd had access to this letter back when I was trying to figure out my own weight. And I am applying these tools as I move forward with a new weight loss goal where I'm trying to lose further weight. Um, And so know that these are exactly what I apply in my own life. These are what I would encourage any friend to apply in their life. Um, And they might not sound like traditional diet tips, but that's because we don't want a traditional diet. A traditional diet means you regain the weight. If we look at it from an evidence-based standpoint, we want to do this differently where we're confident that you can maintain any weight you lose and we're confident that you can figure out whatever comes along uh, the road. It's interesting thinking about letters because 
I was talking to my twins who are 10 now about um, sending letters by mail because I have a friend that's moved to the other side of town, slightly out of town, and especially with COVID, can't see her. And I was thinking back when I was their age, my best friend and I wrote letters to each other. If we were separated over summer, we wrote letters to each other every day. And it was part of my routine that walking down to the mailbox, mailing the letter, hoping there'd be a letter from her. Um, And I saved them all too. And kids these days just don't have that. Like it's just not part of culture anymore, which is really interesting. And it made me think of it when I was thinking I'd sit down and write you a letter because honestly, we never write a letter anymore. Uh, But take this as an audio version of a letter to you, my listener, with all my best hopes and thoughts for you as you go along this journey. So number one, start with love and compassion. You have enough practice hating yourself thin. Can we all agree that we have tried that? We've been there, we've done that, and it didn't work. Hating ourselves thin doesn't get us thin, and it makes us feel horrible through the whole process. Let that go and move on with love and compassion. Loving yourself thin making food choices because they are the food choices that are the best for you and because you love yourself and you want the best for you is very different than making food choices because you hate how your body looks. Be compassionate with yourself when you aren't perfect because you are human and you will always not be perfect. Be compassionate when you have those moments of imperfection and move on from them. Number two, Eat food that you like and that fills you up. But don't believe your brain when it tells you that that must be the unhealthy food. This is tricky because you can eat food that you enjoy and that is really filling and it's healthy and it helps you lose weight. But it's really easy for your brain to get in there and tell you stories about the healthy food is boring. You don't enjoy the healthy food. This pasta or pizza or other processed carbohydrate food is more appealing. And when we let our brains get in there and tell us those stories, uh, it gets us off course. And it honestly isn't true. I've played with this a lot. And I've worked on this a lot over the years, in that my brain used to tell me pizza was one of the most fantastic foods I could ever eat. And yes, it actually does still taste good if I eat pizza. But so does the salad. And I actually find the salad more enjoyable in the textures and in the taste and in everything I can put on it than I do the pizza plus the salad, you know, hours down the road, I will feel a whole lot better. The next morning I feel better than if I were to eat the pizza. But if I left it to my brain and left my brain in charge of deciding what foods taste the best and make me feel the most satisfied, it would tell me lies. It would tell me that it's the pizza, that it's the chips, the the French fries, all of that food, because my brain wants the dopamine from that food and can't see the long term consequences. So intentionally choose a way of eating where you feel satisfied and you enjoy the food because the way you eat to lose the weight is the way that you will need to eat to maintain your weight. And you don't want to be trying to maintain weight while you feel hungry and you feel unsatisfied by your food. But just remember a large portion of whether or not your food is satisfying to you mentally 
comes from your thoughts about the food. And so you have to intentionally decide what you're thinking about the healthy food choices that you're making. You have to intentionally choose ways of thinking about that, that makes it feel like the best decision you could make and makes it as an enjoyable decision to make. Number three, start journaling. Journaling is hands down the best way of processing how you're thinking about weight loss, about the stressful things that happen in your life, and moving on from it. I talk so much about thought work, but really the way that you do thought work on your own is you have to be writing stuff down. You have to be journaling. And if you can make that a practice where every day at a certain time you sit down with your journal and you write things down, that is going to set you up for so much success. Because if that becomes a practice, if that becomes enjoyable and you recognize it as a really useful way of managing stress or other emotions, then it'll become the thing you turn to. And then when you're having difficulties in your weight loss journey, if things aren't going the rate that you want them to, if you regain a little bit of weight, if something really stressful happens in your life, you can turn to that practice that you've already developed. You can examine how your thoughts are showing up and how they're making you feel and how you want to act when you feel that way. And then that gives you the opportunity to modify those thoughts. And I probably don't speak about this enough when I was writing out this letter. I don't think I say that clearly enough uh, in this podcast, but doing this form of self-coaching where you consistently write stuff down, I think is really important. However, it's important to do it because you view it as being useful for your life. If you view it that your life is better if you have this journaling practice. If you decide to do it because Siobhan says I should do it or I need to do it to lose weight, it's not going to play the same role. It's not going to be as enjoyable. You aren't going to get the same benefit. You have to choose your thoughts about even things like journaling so that it is the most enjoyable it can be, that your brain views it as the best option that you have to manage stress or other emotions. And so you actually seek it out. And an example in my own life this weekend, I was fairly stressed out and had a couple days where I was in a bit of a funk. And Ultimately, I tried all sorts of stuff. I tried, you know, having a bath. I tried going for a walk. I tried uh, going for a bike ride. But really what made the difference is when I finally sat down and pulled out my journal and just wrote and wrote what was going on in my mind, wrote what I was thinking, wrote what the worst case scenario was that I was thinking about, and then looked at it and decided, is that useful? Do I want to keep thinking all these thoughts right now? Or can I just shift how I'm thinking about this a little bit? And I was able to both times on the weekend, when I finished the journal, I still wasn't skipping down the road happy, but I was able to, you know, get up from where I was writing and just move on with the day with a bit more lightness. So if you don't already, I really encourage you to start a journaling practice. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to look neat and tidy. It doesn't have to be in a beautiful journal. It can be messy. It can be on a scrap piece of paper. It can be done in your phone. It can be dictated to Siri on your phone. There's so many different ways you can do it, but just having that practice of recording your thoughts and looking at them is really, really important long-term uh, if you want to lose weight and you want to maintain it for the long haul. Number four, 
practice standing in 100% confidence of your goal. Now, this is a topic I'm probably going to do a whole podcast episode on, but I'm using this a lot right now because when we set a weight loss goal, it's normal that our brains freak out. And we often are filled with thoughts of confusion and doubt about the weight loss goal. Like, okay, I'm going to try for this, but I'm not really sure if I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to aim for this, but I worry I won't be able to make it. And the problem with those thoughts is they change our actions. So if I'm thinking I'm setting a weight loss goal, but I don't know if I'm going to make it, well, guess what? I never actually get any distance on my weight loss goal. It's that old saying, you know, aim for the stars, you'll at least hit the moon. So even if your goal, because we don't exactly know what our weight will be, and what we want is to find the, the lowest weight that works for us living a lifestyle that we enjoy. So we don't know exactly what that's going to be. But if we aim for something and it makes us uncomfortable, but we keep going and we keep believing we can get there, we are going to get so much further than if we aim for something and then doubt and don't think we're going to make it. That second option, we're just not going to get anywhere. What'll happen is we'll have all these little inconsistencies that will show up in our actions and end up with us not reaching our goals. And they may be so small, you might not notice them. Or maybe they'll be bigger and you'll notice somewhere the thought will be, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to actually make it. So this little thing won't matter. What would it be like to stand there with 100% confidence that you will reach your goal? With just a quiet knowledge that it is done and it is coming to you that you are en route and there's nothing you could do to stop yourself from getting to that goal. What would that confidence be like when you're making your food choices, when you're thinking about your weight, when you're viewing what the scale says? I really encourage you to try practicing this. If it feels weird, try it on like a costume. Put it on like, what would somebody who believes 100% on their goal be like? And just try trying that on and seeing what it feels like. Asking yourself, what would I do if I believed 100% in this goal? How would I act? And then go from there. Number five is intentionally decide what you want to believe about weight loss. In general, our beliefs about weight loss are all things we've absorbed through our life. They're happening based on reflex. They're happening based on past experiences. They're happening based on what we've been told. And those beliefs that we've just absorbed are probably not helping us. In general, those would be beliefs like weight loss is hard. It's a struggle. Uh, You have to eat food you don't like. There's all sorts of different beliefs we might have absorbed. Um, But you get to believe whatever you want in life, in weight and in every other aspect of your life. So what would it be like to believe that it was easy, to believe that it was simple? And this is where that powerful weight loss beliefs worksheet that I talked to you about earlier on comes in and that's you can just get that on the my um, front page of my website weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca because if you believe things that are powerful that make your weight loss journey feel easier that make it feel smoother and simpler then that's what's going to happen it will be easy it will be smoother it will be simpler you can enjoy yourself while losing weight all because of what you believe, but you have to be intentional with it. Just letting your brain 
go at its own pace and decide what it wants to believe, it will give you the more negative beliefs all the time. So intentionally decide what you want to believe about weight loss and then go after it, practice it, think it over and over and over again until it just feels like reality. And this is great combined with the last tip of that standing in 100% confidence. Like what if you're standing there 100% confident that that goal was coming, that it was already a done deal, and you had a belief that it was going to be simple to reach it? Imagine that. Number six is use tools like scales, food journals, measurements as data. I think they're very useful as data, but don't use them against yourself. So they help us understand trends of what's happening. They help give us data to look back when our results aren't lining up with what we want. But they mean nothing about you as an individual. They mean nothing about your self-worth. They mean nothing about future success. All they are is data about what is happening. And yet we are so tempted, not even tempted, we are habitually using these against ourselves. So the scale would be the best one. We use it against ourselves. We beat ourselves up if that scale didn't go down in the way we thought it would, or if it went up, we beat ourselves up about that. And that just doesn't help you long term. It doesn't make you want to stick to your goals. It makes your day feel crappy and it slows you down. However, it is useful to just see a trend of what your weight is doing so that you can decide if the actions you're taking are actually giving you the results that you want. But again, deciding that from a place of love and compassion, not from a place of beating yourself up. Food journals would be another example is that, I don't know about you, but my uh, experience with food journals is I would write stuff down as long as I thought I was doing well. And then as soon as I thought I wasn't, I would stop writing. And yet when I did it that way, I missed all the important stuff. I missed being curious and learning about why I wasn't eating what I had planned on eating at, in those moments, like what was messing me up. If I had written stuff down in a food journal and written it neutrally and compassionately, from the very beginning and made notes when I ate stuff that I hadn't planned on about what was happening in that day, I truly think I would have figured out my patterns a lot earlier and I probably would have found success a lot earlier. But the key was I wasn't viewing that food journal as a neutral tool. I was viewing that food journal as something that could define if I was good or bad and that just doesn't work. It has to be a neutral tool that's going to just give you data. It's going to give you trends. It's going to help you look at your trajectory and what's been happening, but it doesn't tell you anything about you or your actual goals. Number seven is decide the way you choose to eat to lose weight is normal. This is a big one. I just coached somebody on this today and it comes up all the time is I want to eat like a normal person. I wish I could eat like a normal person. And as long as we're holding on to this thought, it interferes with our ability to be consistent with the food that we've decided to eat. And I think it's a total falsehood. There is no normal in eating. If you want to look at normal, if we look across North America at the northern, the normal North American standard diet, well, then it's also normal to have high rates of obesity in that population. Uh, depending on where you are, you know, the rates of obesity are 25 to 40%. So, normal 
in our minds, I think when we think this, that I want to eat normal food, we think we should be able to eat quote unquote normal food and also maintain a normal weight. And I think that's a thought error in that that actually doesn't happen for many people. And, you know, the people that don't struggle with their weight, are they truly eating what we would view as normal when we're having those thoughts? Are they eating everything they want um, at a, you know, at a restaurant or all the different foods that they would like to eat, including sugary foods? You know, they might not be, right? Our perception of what's normal and what other people are do is skewed. So this thought, I want to eat normally, it it shoots ourselves in our feet. It gets in our way. It doesn't help at all. And it's wrong. There's no true definition of normal. You get to decide what's normal. And so deciding that what you are eating that makes you feel satisfied, makes you enjoy your food and you're losing weight with, then you decide that that's normal and that's your normal. And I love this because then anytime you start eating food that isn't along that line, all you have to do is then get back to your normal. That feels so much easier than thinking, oh, I have to get back on my diet. All you have to do is just get back to normal. And when you work on this thought, it really gives your brain the message that this is how we will eat for the rest of our life. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because if you're not okay with it, then we need to do some work on that. You need to work on your thinking about how you're eating to lose weight and that it will be the way you need to eat for the rest of your life if you want to maintain a weight loss. And if you're really finding that you're struggling with what you're eating, then, you know, maybe you need to shift and adjust what you're eating and try something different to find that way of eating that lets you enjoy it, that lets you be satisfied and that you can see yourself maintaining for the rest of your life. But whatever you do, it's normal. It is normal eating. All right. And then number eight, accept ownership in all food decisions. I think this is really important. By accepting ownership in all our food decisions, we hold our own power. We hold uh, responsibility, but we also hold the power in that decision. Versus when we don't accept ownership, when we think I had no choice but to eat that, or I have to eat that, I can't have this food craving and withstand it. All of those thoughts give power away to the food. And if the food has the power, then you are going to be very prone to listening to it. So you're far better off if you eat something that you hadn't planned, eat something that you don't normally eat, to just label it as a choice that, okay, I just chose to eat that that day. That's okay, I'm allowed to make choices. And then move on from there and get back to your normal, which comes back to the point before. But having ownership and letting yourself own those food choices, I think is really powerful in letting them just be a choice. I think when we give up the ownership and we have stories about how we didn't have a choice but to eat that food, that also then sets us up to spiral where we eat other foods, other foods, other foods, and we keep going. Versus if we just say, I made a choice to eat, say, chips, then it lets that just be the choice in that moment. It doesn't have to turn into a bunch of other choices. Or say if it does turn into other choices, then again, the next day, you're far more likely if you're owning those as choices to just get back to your normal eating. Number nine, stop rushing, 
Let it take as long as it's going to take. We get in our way so much by thinking that weight loss should be happening faster than it is. And it's really interesting because I think we can get in our way both sides of this coin. Either if it's happening faster than we thought it should, we get in our way there because it feels like it's happening too fast. Or if we think it's not happening fast enough, then we get in our way and we want to rush. But by nature, the rush indicates that this is short term, right? Like if you're thinking this isn't happening fast enough, I don't know how long I can keep doing this. It means you're still having thoughts that this is a short term solution. And that's not going to work to reach your long term goals. So you need to accept that a long term weight loss, and especially if you're working on losing a lot of weight, it may take a lot of time, and it might take a lot more time than what you wish it would. And yet, that's okay. Just like my 100 episodes, each of those is like a drop in the barrel, but those drops add up. Every little quarter pound that you lose, it does add up. Even if it feels like in week by week, that's impossibly slow, it still adds up over time to significant weight loss. What will not add up over time is if we get impatient and then stop being consistent with our healthy eating. And then we start to regain weight or we just stop losing weight altogether. Impatience will get in your way. Slow weight loss doesn't get in your way. It's still moving you towards your goal. So let it take as long as it needs to take. Focus on what you can control, which is what you eat and working on your thought work about why you eat, when you do, uh, what physical activity you're doing. Again, recognizing that the physical activity isn't a solution for weight loss. It's to take care of yourself overall as a human. Focus on those things and then let your body decide how quickly it's going to actually let the weight go. Number 10 and the last one. Start appreciating your body now so that you will appreciate your body when it is thinner. And I think this relates to my first tip, which was do everything with love and compassion. But I think this is really important. We think that we will like our body when we've lost weight. We think that our body will be more worthy of love when we have lost weight. But it doesn't work that way. It is lovable and it is worthy of love right now. And appreciating and loving your body right now will actually make it easier to lose weight. What I see in people that don't do this work earlier on, that don't find that appreciation and love for their body at whatever size they're at, what happens is you can lose a whole lot of weight and still dislike your body. If you don't do this thought work, you will, your, your brain will find fault in your body. And that's regardless of how thin you get, how much weight you lose. And so you'll have to do this thought work at some point. And my thought is you may as well do it now while you're working on your weight loss. Why not enjoy your body while you lose weight instead of waiting for some magical number on the scale to give you permission? Enjoy it now so that you can continue to enjoy it when you've lost weight so that you don't lose weight disliking your body and then find out you still dislike it and you still have to do this work. Do it now, which will help you come back to point number one, which was do everything from a place of love 
and compassion. And if that's the only point you take away from here, then that's what I would suggest is do everything from a place of love and compassion. Love yourself thin. Give up on hating yourself thin. It just doesn't work. All right, I would love to hear your thoughts on these tips. Uh, Send them to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And remember to go over to the website and download the Powerful Weight Loss Beliefs free cheat sheet, which will help build on what I've talked about in this session. And that's weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Just on the main page, you'll see a button right beside my first picture. All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. I appreciate you for listening. For any of you who've hung in for all 100 episodes, thank you so much for being here. And we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.